0: today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag.
1: She's tasting from the Lord and of the Lord, and He is good. And it's a resting from one's works when you come to Christ. There's no more works. It it really has its place, its In the Sabbath rest, the writer of Hebrews talks about they did not enter the Sabbath rest. Jesus fulfills the Sabbath
0: where you rest from your works, the works of salvation. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Song of Songs. So often, women especially feel they have to work hard and look perfect to get others to notice or like them. It's exhausting and never makes them feel truly valued. Pastor J.D. explains today that when you come to the Lord, you don't have to earn His favor or work for Him to love you. He loves you and wants you to just be who you are. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Song of Songs, Chapter 2, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: Dwell with your wives in an understanding way because they are joint heirs. They're the weaker vessel, not inferior. Not spiritually, certainly, physically, but they're joint heirs. And here's the thing, if you dismiss them, and you are not understanding with them, and you don't listen to them, you do so to your own peril. And and this is where it makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up, presupposing you still have hair back there. But uh Because if you don't, your prayers will be hindered. Have you ever thought about that? You ever wonder why maybe those prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling and God's not even hearing them, let alone answering them? Maybe that's why. Maybe it's because of the way that I'm dwelling with my wife. I am not giving her that which she needs. You know, in the Proverbs, it's, it's quite stunning actually. There are these things that the earth cannot stand up under, that are just too incredible to even comprehend, uh, to, let alone to wrap your mind around. They're not good things. You know, one of the things on that list is a wife that's not loved by her husband. The earth cannot stand up under that an unloved wife. You know, in Ephesians, (laughs) I do this with weddings, and um, sometimes I just get up in the groom's uh, grill when I do, but in love, (laughs) because that's what Paul says in Ephesians, husband love your wives, husbands love your wives, husbands love your wives, three times. He never says to the wife, wife love your husband. No, he says to the wife, After he says to the husband, love your wife, says Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Love your wife as you love yourself. I have yet to meet a guy that doesn't love himself. He's into himself. Love and and nourish and cherish your wife as you love and nourish and cherish your own body. And that's pretty tall order. Then after he says that three times, he says to the wife, just one sentence, it's so unfair, imbalanced. One time he says to the wife, and wives, respect your husbands. That's it? Yeah. Wait, husbands love your wives. Husbands love your wives. Husbands love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Really? Yeah. Here's how it works. You show me a husband that loves his wife that way, I'll show you a wife that respects her man. Mm. Again, I have yet to meet a man who doesn't want his wife to respect him. Show me some respect. Well, love me and I will. Well, oh, you need to respect me first. No, 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 no. That's not what, how it works. First, you have to love me three times. <laughs> okay, this is not a teaching on marriage. and We need to keep moving. So verse three, like an apple tree among the trees of the woods, So is my beloved among the sons. I sat down in his shade with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. Oh my, a little bit, getting a little bit warm in here. Turn the AC up. This is very poetic, very picturesque imagery of the sweet delight, taste of the Lord, and see that He is God, the sweet delight He brings. And, and notice, I don't know if you caught this or not, but in chapter 1, she's working in the vineyard, a common laborer, tanned by the sun, which by the way was not in in that day. It is in our day. If you're tanned, that's cool. But if you're white, not cool. It was the opposite in that day. If you were milk white, cool. You're royalty, you're nobility. But if you're tanned, you're just a common laborer. And she's almost like ashamed of her, you know, darkness from being out in the sun as a common laborer, laboring and working and toiling. That was chapter one. But now, here in chapter two, oh, she's not laboring. She's delighting and resting in the shade, made in the shade, if you will, under the tree of her beloved. And she's tasting from the Lord and of the Lord, and He is good. And it's a resting from one's works when you come to Christ. There's no more works. It it really has its place its core in the Sabbath rest. The writer of Hebrews talks about, they did not enter the Sabbath rest. Jesus fulfills the Sabbath, where you rest from your works, the works of salvation. No more labor, no more works. You're saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. Come unto me, all ye that labor, and I will give you rest, all ye that are weary, and I will give you rest for your soul, for my burden is light, and my yoke is easy. Verse 4, He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Now here there's this picture painted of the groom, the bridegroom, not being ashamed of her. Rather, he publicly presents her with a banner of love over her. That's another thing, husbands. We'll kind of go back and forth again here. Hope you don't mind. But your wife, husband, needs to know that she is prized in your eyes. You hold your head up high when you walk with her, you're just so in love, as a covering over her, publicly as a banner would declare, I love her. That's what she's saying here. Verse 5 is interesting. You're going to have to bear with me on this one. Sustain me with cakes of raisins, refresh me with apples, you wanna know why? Here's why. For I am lovesick. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm just you know how it is? There's actually a neurological dynamic. This is a thing. Being lovesick. It's a it's a hormone in the brain that is released when you're in love. And that and it just makes you just, I mean, you know, crazy. It's like <laughs> you know, you can't think of anything else. You, you can't eat. You, don't, you just don't have an appetite. I mean, you're sick in love. And it lasts for a little while, not very long. It's a, it's a new love. I hate to say it like this, but I guess the world referred to it as puppy love, where you're just so in love. I mean, you're, you're sick. You can't even be around a person that's in love. I mean, you can't even really have a conversation with them. Because they're just like,
0: <laughs>
1: right? That's what she's talking about. It's being so in love, love sick, that you're enraptured in love, and so much so that there's this physical, even neurological effect by the intensity of it. And this is God given, nothing wrong with it. One has noted that it is first this attraction, the world might refer to it as infatuation, and it lasts for a period of time. But then it matures over time, and it goes from this attraction to attachment. That's a mature love where you go from this, you know, Google, you know, when you're first in love. My wife and I recorded for two years. And I mean, we, we look back on those times. And thankfully, right about that time, as many years ago, uh, when they had just come out with the VHS, you know, video recorder for home videos. You, you know those, remember those things? You would dislocate your shoulder carrying that thing. I mean, it was huge. You had this big VHS, you know, tape in the thing. And then the camera was as big as this pulpit. And, you know, you made home videos. We have home videos, uh, of those days. Oh man. You'll never, I'll never let them ever be shown in public. They're so, I mean, we were so, just the way we talked. Oh, the names, you know, for sure. You know, you know the names, right?
0: cupcake.
1: (laughs) I'll let you fill in the blanks. That's what she's talking about here. Just so intense, the love. Well, let's take it into the arena of our love for the Lord and the Lord's love for us. That's the kind of love that we have for the Lord. When you first came to Christ, do you remember that? You were so in love you were lovesick. I mean, it's all you could talk about, all you could think about. Somebody tried to talk with you, all you could talk to them about was Jesus. He had no theology. All you could say was, Jesus is real. I love Jesus. Jesus loves me. Jesus is real. Jesus is real. He loves me. He loves you too. Oh, I love Jesus. That's it. You're lovesick. And then you mature in love. I want to mention this just kind of parenthetically, because it's kind of an issue. I remember years ago, Hearing a Bible teacher say, if you're not as on fire for the Lord today as you were when you first got saved, you're backslidden. I thought, hmm, wait, no, I, I love the Lord more than I did when I first got saved. I'm, I'm not backslidden, but I'm not as goo goo gaga as I was back then either. And then what the Lord ministered to me was, that's that's possible that you can be backslidden, but the love that you have for the Lord, well, it matures, just like in the marriage relationship. Could you imagine if being married for 32 years, my wife and I still talk like that? They would they have clinical terms for that. <laughs> I mean, they would, we would, I, they would think we were, well, I'll just let you just use your imagination. Could you imagine 32 years? You, you're still talking? No, our love has matured over the years, and so too does our love for the Lord mature over the years as well, as you mature in Christ and grow in grace. Verse 6, not gonna spend too much time here, you'll see why here in a moment. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand embraces me. Now it's pretty intimate. Now she says it very discreetly, yet very intimately, but it is a beautiful description of being alone with the one you love, in the loving embrace of your lover. Verse 7. Now we kind of turn a corner here. She says, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field, do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. Okay, we need to talk about this, all right? Now, there are a couple of thoughts. The first one, I think it has merit, but the thought is, is that do not disturb me when I'm with my lover. You don't, when you're with the Lord, you don't want anything to interrupt. You don't want anything to distract. You don't want anything to disturb. Do not disturb love. Do not disturb us. You put the do not disturb sign on the door. Actually, I I actually have This, and I don't have a patent or copyright on it. You're more than welcome to replicate it if you want. I have a sign, and it's on a hook. It goes on the doorknob, and it says this, the last person who knocked on this door is still missing. (laughs) It's a deterrent. Translated, do not disturb. Don't even think about it. This is our time, alone, no kids, no kids do not disturb. That's a thought, and surely it has merit. However, it's the second thought that I think is more applicable. It's saying, do not enter the marriage bed unless you're a virgin. Do not awaken, do not stir up sexual desire, until it's time. Save it for marriage. Do not engage in premarital sex, sex outside of marriage, sex before marriage. And please hear me on this and don't misunderstand me. This is one of those places where we do err greatly interpreting it as, don't do this because I'm God and I said so. No, this is a loving Heavenly Father that says, don't do this, because if you do, it will bring such heartache, such heartbreak. I have your best interests at heart. You know, there are studies, and these are not Christian studies, and they have found when it comes to women, particularly women back in the 60s, you know, free love. And well, they those girls grew up and had girls. And without exception, what was expressed, not Christians, what was expressed was the utter and total regret of having done what they did in promiscuity sexually because of what it did. See, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And there's nothing more that the enemy wants to do than to destroy the sexual relationship between a husband and wife, and that's how he does it. Well, wow, Pastor, you're kind of depressing me here, because this, this, this isn't the real world. Well, that's a problem, isn't it? Well, what are you saying? I mean, so, you know, I blew it. I mean too late. Does that mean I'm sentenced to a life of misery, a miserable marriage? Not at all. God is a gracious God. He restores the years that the locusts have eaten. God is a merciful God. God is a restoring God, and He can certainly restore that. But God wants to spare us of that. See, when you engage in a sexual relationship before marriage, you stunt the spiritual growth in that marriage. Because see, that, that part of the relationship is so intense that it just, it puts everything else out to bay, because now that becomes the central focal point of the relationship you don't communicate anymore, because now you've you've opened up that part of the relationship before uh, marriage. You know, my wife and I, we courted for two years. I know courted is a foreign word to many young people. Uh, let me just explain. Courtship is <laughs> when the man courts the woman, and that's the proper way. I mean, even today, I don't even think they call it dating anymore, do they? Someone maybe can talk to me more about this, and correct me if I'm wrong. I know I'm old-fashioned. But uh, back in my day, I just, I know young people hate it when, you know, older people say, well when I was your age, here we go. But when I was young, and back in our day, we called it courting. And it was that period of time where you got to know each other. For the first several months, my wife and I didn't even hold hands, because even the touching releases hormones. And it starts there, by the way. I mean, kissing? Oh, be very, very careful, (laughs) because that just sets things in motion. It stirs it up. It wakes it up. Don't wake it up yet there's coming a time. And (laughs) so, uh, okay, why not? So when we first met, I uh, owned a house at the time. I was in my 20s. Uh, You know, God was just blessing my life. And I, uh, this is on the mainland. If it was in Hawaii, (laughs) forget about it. But anyway, on the mainland, real estate was inexpensive. I actually was able to buy my own house. And um, when we started courting, we would not go back to my house, because that was the danger zone. I had, you know, at the time uh, sectional sofas were in, you know, the L-shaped sectional couches. I had this really, I had really nice furniture. And we made the mistake one time, going to my place, just the two of us, and we sat on that sectional. Big mistake. So we got up, we left, never to return, because that sectional, we called it this, the sexual, sensual, sectional. So we stayed away from it. Not to stir it up, not to wake it up before it's time. I think that's what this is speaking to. And again, please, I'm just going to emphasize it and, and say it one more time. So important. God loves us so much. He doesn't want us to needlessly unnecessarily drink from the bitter cup of the consequences of sexual sin. It harms us, and it mars the relationship. You bring that into the marriage relationship, sex before marriage, and the sex in marriage will, ah, I hate to say it, I've seen it many times as a pastor. It takes years. Because the woman, very sensitive when it comes to the sexual part of the relationship, the woman goes into that marriage and now sex has been dirtied because it was sinful.
0: Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. We hope you continue to be encouraged as we learn from Song of Songs together. One of the greatest lessons from this book is that love is a gift. It's meant to be passionate, and it's meant to help us grow more in love with the Lord. We encourage you to read through Song of Songs to see the parallels in the relationship depicted and the love that God has for you. Though it may feel uncomfortable at first, love is not something to be embarrassed by. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in this series, you'll be able to find them at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Maybe as you've been listening today, you've become aware that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. You may already read the Bible and maybe you even attend a church, but have you surrendered your life to Christ? If not, today's the day to make that change. If you're not sure where to start, please visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com right now and find the ABCs of salvation under the resources tab. This will give you step-by-step instructions and will answer questions you might have about why this is important. We also encourage you to be part of a church. If you're ever in the Kaneohe area, we would love to have you join our church family. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor JD. You can find out more at our website. Again, that's in SpiritandTruthRadio.com. Thanks for joining us for in spirit and truth.
1: Hold me true to you la, la, la.